Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Uh, my name is David Orban, and I am very glad to have you on the show. We are streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And on YouTube, I invite you to become a subscriber so that you can be alerted when we go live uh, next. And of course, you can also watch uh, on all the platforms uh, the recordings of the previous shows on various topics uh, that um, are concerning technology, how it impacts society uh, with uh, people from uh, all over the world, really, which is the uh, beauty of uh, our technology today that enables us to connect. Uh, for me, searching for the question live is a, a pleasure of uh, meeting um, old friends and new friends and catch up with them. Uh, what are the projects that they are passionate about and how they are coping uh, with the pandemic and uh, how they believe the uh, future of the world will be shaped by uh, this event and certainly others uh, that uh, we still have uh, ahead of us. Uh, the beauty of being live is also that uh, you can comment, uh, ask questions, and if uh, they are relevant, I will be happy to pull them in the stream and uh, together with the guest, uh, we will uh, answer it uh, and uh, uh, create the kind of interactivity uh, that uh, that really matters today. Uh, we also have a, a community uh, of uh, uh, conversations where you can join and continue uh, debating the implications of the themes that we are addressing. Come to davidorban.com slash discord. Uh, you can also uh, propose who should be the guest um, and vote uh, on those that have been proposed by, by others. And uh, if you uh, like the content uh, that uh, together with my team I create, uh, you are welcome to be um, a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash David Orban. Uh, today's guest is Mark Wynn uh, from Guernsey uh, in the Channel Islands. And uh, those of you who watch uh, Searching for the Question live uh, uh, frequently know that I like uh, to show where things are on the planet as well. So we will uh, definitely go and check out where Guernsey is because the first time that uh, I heard about it, I for sure didn't know. And uh, Mark has been uh, uh, very kind, invited me to a TEDx conference he organized at St. Peter Port uh, on Guernsey uh, and uh, gave me the opportunity to really get to know this uh, uh, very interesting uh, community. We will talk about it. Um, I have, for some reason, an affinity with uh, micronations and uh, these interesting uh, small communities that nonetheless have proven through the centuries to have a staying power and ability to adapt uh, to the new realities. So uh, this uh, looks like uh, almost a, a series. Uh, one of the previous episodes, um, you can go and check it out, was actually with a specific foundation uh, that looks at uh, encouraging the institution of special economic zones that uh, these micronations naturally are to uh, experiment 
with uh, new things that are possible. So let's talk about this as well as uh, about other things with uh, with Mark uh, while uh, he's having a coffee. <laughs> Hello, Mark. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Searching for the Question Live. I I, I realize I forgot my cup. I uh, <laughs> I'm guilty. Uh, so uh, it is it is uh, very nice because that is how you reach out uh, on your newsletter to uh, the people who who read it do you want us to have a coffee and uh, sometimes that is a physical coffee but other times uh, it is like this a digital coffee yeah still wonderful and i guess uh, that is a way for you to catch up with people right yeah, I mean, it's also to catch up with people, but I find it also as one of the primary mechanisms to make change <laughs> happen. So it's it's uh -huh. uh, it's an ancient technology, but um, uh, but it uh, if you think about you know um, persuasion, um, uh, when you're trying to persuade whole systems, then usually there's uh, a single point of uh, weakness or strength in a system that one can coffee with to persuade a system to shift. So. <clears throat> Um, and 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 uh, do you think that uh, having a, a cup of coffee in the morning is a better mechanism to accelerate change rather than having a pint in the afternoon or the <laughs> evening? Um, certainly, if you're a father of three children. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so um, I, I would say uh, I would I would develop a significant i mean beer is good as well but the, the retention of the conversation content oh, I <laughs> um so i found uh, as someone who, who you know my youth was an expert using beer and <laughs> uh, um and um i found for social change um uh hyper attention um in um a, a high trust environment which the uh, you know traditional meeting would not be a high trust environment whereas a coffee where one-on-one -on -one is a high trust open-hearted connected environment as a beer would be but um where the where the prospect of re retention is high than than, than coffee now, works uh, uh, is is it is it um is it fair to say that one has to be cautious in uh articulating explicitly the mechanisms of creating trust otherwise the other party may uh take it as something that you do in order to unduly yeah. gain that trust right what is the right balance uh, because of course i am always in favor of transparency and and and, and openness but there is a little bit of uh, a contradiction uh, mm -hmm. if i know that you are using those tools on purpose then i may raise artificially my yeah. barriers because I don't want to fall prey of the tricks that you are deploying. Yeah, I mean, I think it really, yeah, I mean, there are some people that use it deliberately. I think uh, I think the most important thing in a conversation um, that builds trust is to separate yourself from any desire for outcome. Um, and um, I think the thing, you know, in 6,000 copies in the last six years in, in my community, if you if you're trying to manipulate a situation um then you people can smell this you know so ultimately you know it's about uh using the time to deepen relationship and to get to know someone and to find out what their story is what they're passionate about 
where they're trying to get to in life um and meaning that's really a kind of data gathering exercise and and then it's how can uh uh myself as an individual and all the people i'm connected to support that person to achieve the outcomes that they're so, trying to so, achieve so coffee coffee is the tool that can mm-hmm. facilitate the outcome of a genuine connection and an honest desire mm-hmm. to achieve a common goal yeah as it is often the case with tools that can uh, uh improve uh, a situation but they cannot counter something that is um yeah. starting on the wrong foot anyway yeah totally you couldn't, you couldn't sway an enemy you can reinforce a, a, a friend's commitment well i mean you know it, it takes um two people to create conflict so even <laughs> so um i, I would unless, say you can unless you can, you, 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 Unless you're schizophrenic and then you're very good at creating conflict yes. on your own too uh, when you're alone. Quite. So I, I have, uh, you know, very few enemies because I'm not looking for any, right? And so... That's fair. Uh, um, yeah. So, so. As, I, as I said at the beginning, let's take a look. This is, uh, this is Bergamo, uh, where I am right now. Which looks um, beautiful. It is. You should come if you haven't been. Um, it is uh, it is right at the beginning of uh, of the Alps uh, in northern Italy, uh, on the confluence of uh, two rivers, uh, as it is often the case. And here in the hills, uh, there have been people uh, living in one way or another since the Neolithic, and wow. uh, it's it's really really very nice. And and uh, you are uh, here. She's not too far, but very well hidden. I had no idea um, even that uh, that these islands. Uh, I mean, I heard the expression "Channel Islands," but mm-hmm. it could have been anything, right? <laughs> and uh, and so this is this is Guernsey. I, I think it's better to keep giving uh, some some context. All right. Yeah. So so you are closer to France then uh england and wales which are these two things here um and of course the uk as a whole and great britain uh which themselves are pretty confusing terms and there is a whole chart uh, i i think uh uk Eng- england uh, great uh, britain and if we look at the images yeah, uh, these charts are 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 good, and there should be some that also show uh, Channel Islands. There you go. Yeah, so we're part of the British Isles, but not part of Britain or the UK. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, from a governance perspective, is very interesting. And um, uh, so Guernsey, Jersey, and they forgot the Isle of Man over here, um, and. Uh, well, Isle of Man is yeah in between Ireland and uh, and England. It's um... oh, oh, geographically, it's somewhere else. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so, was Guernsey always uh, independent uh, to the point w- as as it as it is now, or or has that uh, been achieved uh, more recently? Um, I mean, it was part of Normandy in. Um, you know, 1066 and William the Conqueror type thing. And then when William the Conqueror um, took over um, the UK, then uh, that was when, you know, Normandy um, 
um, became part of that empire and, and so its roots I think mostly lie um, uh, in that era um, and then um, you know it's been handed over between England and France at various times it was uh, the only part of the British Isles occupied in um, uh, the Channel Islands were the only part of the British Isles occupied in the Second World War oh, wow. and so you know there's this um, kind of heritage of being uh, you know an asset to be swapped around uh but it's also had its uh independence you know uh, history of privateering and uh and using loopholes um you know from uh from you know sugar tax era to to now financial services to you know uh, it's always found its way of um you know uh operating uh in its uh isolation um in a, in a way to gain leverage uh, as many small micronations have done over the years they, they find themselves a little way of making a living and 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 operate that way but in this hyper-connected world that opens up a whole new level of possibility absolutely absolutely uh, i have had uh, uh, contact with um, um malta with andorra mm -hmm. with um uh other uh, uh, micronations and it is always very interesting to look at the history as I said of, of yeah. uh, uh, adaptation and adaptability and an ability to navigate uh, among uh, the, the giants uh, uh, and, and to, uh, to necessarily find uh, weird and ingenious uh, ways to, to, to survive and to create value yeah um and uh, you you are you are a guernsey native um so it depends where which way you look at it i was born here and raised here but my parents are english um and so okay. kind of the, the the true natives would not see me as a guernsey native but i'm i'm um because you have to like you know have go back five gen generations, generations of cousins yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and things like that but um uh but i i count myself as from here and uh, and, and, I, and and you really define guernsey as your home yes um yeah i mean i've lived off island maybe 25 percent of my life mm -hmm. um for various reasons and um but ultimately this is <clears throat> where i'm from this is where my kids are growing up um this is how old are how old are they uh nine four and two it's chaos wow, wow. <laughs> driving lockdown <laughs> with that that chaos it was uh it was intense so 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 tell me how how was it with uh with the pandemic in in guernsey and how is it now um so it was you know scary uh in the beginning what you have is a hyper connected society um where a lot of people were skiing yeah, um, and, and so we got hit very quickly from people coming back from ski resorts where, um, you know, particularly North Italy, you know, the Alps was like a, an incubator. So um, uh, we, but we managed to adapt pretty quickly. So um, we had maybe 250 cases in total. Um, we um, sadly lost um, 16 lives. Um, but we had the capacity as an island to close our borders 
um, um, and to adapt very quickly, but we only have a very small health system. Um, so we had to really move. But I think in that, um, uh, we're a highly socially cohesive community. So we followed public health advice. Um, so we got, you know, we crashed the curve. We eliminated um, COVID totally. Um, and so we've spent, um, we haven't had a case for over two months um, and we are in this strange kind of paradise bubble where there's literally no restrictions um, so, anymore. So you, you did have, though, um, a complete lockdown for a given period of time, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we luckily our head of public health is a virologist. Um, so it helps. Just li literally had the best person in charge. Uh, we developed this kind of wartime governance system where a very small number of people made rapid decisions and we um, you know we managed to build a second ICU in like weeks um, you know we had a lot of planning and things like that centralized planning but planning nonetheless um, and the population there was this thing called Guernsey together emerged where the population just decentralized the response and looked after all the old people built systems built infrastructure um, and with this beautiful symbiosis between the people and government to um, do what was necessary to completely eliminate uh, the virus but also support everyone and uh, who's at home alone um, and so that we you know could have been a lot worse uh, but ultimately we we, uh, we managed to um completely eliminate everything and then restart the economy um from and, and, you, and you told me you went to a to a concert uh, yesterday uh, yeah no so i was in i was in one of the neighboring islands called herm which is this beautiful paradise island uh with about 50 people live on it um and there was a concert and so you have hundreds of people in a small space all hugging each other and, and uh, which you'd take for granted before COVID, but we must be one of the few places in the world where that's both allowed and safe. Wow. Um, so, so we live, yeah, everyone in this community is like so phenomenally grateful <laughs> right now because they recognize we have literally no restrictions. So to be you know, something but, I take covered for something like that I take for granted, which is hugging everyone I meet. Yeah, um, that's perfectly allowed. Um, eh, 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 and 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 that is wonderful, as long as you don't allow anybody in. Well, yeah, I mean, we have fourteen-day quarantine. Um, okay. Cur currently, um, a big track and trace system. Um, um, so, but that quarantine system is built on trust. So there's no being sent into hotels or anything it's like that okay Everybody... so so you 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 arrive you go to the hotel or airbnb that uh, or your house or or, or, or a private house uh, and then you are supposed to be there but it's not that the constable or or whoever it is uh, shows up every day to check on you yeah i mean this is what i said we've got really high social cohesion mm -hmm. um and so um you know, we, well that that also implies that if i were to disobey the the quarantine and just would go out and about somebody would drop a call to somebody else saying hey this guy's really <laughs> not doing the right thing yeah high transparency right yeah. <laughs> so that's the great thing about small micro nations is that you know enough people it, it's self-regulating you know um and uh, because you can't, you, you, everyone you know is, is one or two steps removed from each other. So we know if someone's just arrived from, on a plane. What, so, what is the population of uh, of Guernsey? So it's sixty three thousand. 
63,000, like a small town, yeah. small town. Yeah. Mm. And, and, um, when, uh, when I came, uh, when you organized, uh, San Peter port, uh, you felt that, uh, everything was going fine, but it could go even much, much better. And, and you, you wanted the Gansey government to really embrace a lot of the innovation, both organizational and technological, yeah. that would allow Guernsey for in the 21st century to flourish, uh, as well as the people of Guernsey. Um, I also met uh, uh, the government, a, a group of ministers at the time, and then elections came and, and, and whatever else. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as whatever you and I had in mind that uh, I could help contributing didn't happen. But mm -hmm. uh, since then, um, how did your thinking evolve? Um, what was it at the time? What is it now? How do you think it is going to be in a few years' time? Um, well, I mean, uh, the genesis of the thinking in terms of why I do what I do is um, comes from you know a place that you and many other people know, which is Singularity University, and and what I I remember the conversation that happened in 2013, which was um, uh, there, which by the end of the decade, a kid in their bedroom will be able to create a killer virus, and I didn't sleep for seven days. I recall when I first had that conversation and, and it was really about and then um something i'm passionate about which is direct marketing and uh, what i understood was this algorithmic destruction that was coming in terms of mass manipulation i'm a marketer and i've been using subconscious manipulation you know um and so what i saw was this perfect storm of wave after wave of disruption that large governance systems could not adapt to um so <clears throat> populism biological disruption the very era that we're living in now and i saw that um actually we're going to have to transition to a radically different form of governance um and that genuinely the only place that that was possible was in these small micro nations and that the the googles and facebook's of collective organization um or um collective self-governance as i call it would emerge from um these small systems so that was the theory, um, and then you realize you can't use fear as the mechanism, to, so you can't talk about chaos and damnation because it just seems like a crazy person. You have to try and use social cohesion because one of the one of the key things that I got that time is that um, in this new world, you can't leave anyone behind um, because uh, one person can create a virus or can create something and create exponential systemic risks. So you have to innovate from the perspective of not disrupting and um, which is the silicon valley mindset is winner takes all one disrupts the other um but when you think about chaos um it's one individual disaffection is what drives global chaos and so you you're left with this how do you build a new social construct or a new form of governance where no one gets left behind um and then and when you realize these small systems are actually very fearful of change and fearful of um, all of this stuff that's happening in the world. Um, and so there's a real, the real challenge is how do you capitalize on all, all of this possibility when people are fundamentally afraid of change? Um, and, and that is what gave uh, birth uh, to the dandelion 
foundation. Yeah, which, right? which is which is yeah, which is how do we shift the consciousness of a system almost um, to allow and decode fear of a system to allow it to become a platform for progress. And when you start to understand what what is it that decodes fear, it's community and connection and well-being and all these thriving states. And so, you know, we set out the mission to make going to the best place to live on Earth, which now is <coughs> mischievously part of our national governance to make Guernsey one of the happiest and healthiest countries in the world. But the secret to that is happy, healthy, social, cohesive communities can adapt to change faster. So you have to start to consider about how um, um, and in this era of chaos and disruption, the countries with the biggest social program problems are the ones that are finding it hardest to adapt to COVID. Uh, and this dynamic is going to expand wave after wave of disruption that we're going to have this decade is the less that you can only move at the pace of your biggest social problem. Um, and so, and we're seeing it in different countries in different ways. So in ours, it was uh, the care homes, you know, because we outsourced the looking after old people. If you look at something like Sing Singapore, it's the labor camps. If you look at someone like Italy, it's the, you know, gross ignor ignoring of governance. <laughs> uh, you know, every system has uh, its own, or you look at the US and it's, um, you know, big social cohesion for individualism and and the UK as well. And so you're seeing um, this disruption highlighting and showing the mirror to every community, every jurisdiction. And anybody that's been left behind basically is ignoring uh, the state. And the more you ignore public health advice and the harder it is to recover economically. And so you end up in this strange symbiosis where social progress and economic progress are becoming massively convergent. Um, and so, it's interesting to say how do you uh, uh, and the response actually in our system is the you know the bulk of the response was delivered by the community we in symbiosis with public health and and love for government has gone up massively and all of these things have gone massively but there's a there's a cohesion process that's been going on here um, and so we have to realize that that to navigate the future we have to build tribe and connection and, and um, and, and rather than many of the stuff that we've been doing individually has been creating separation, individualism, uh, personal want, uh, all of this kind of stuff. And actually to navigate chaos, you need the up opposite. And so uh, there's a shift in, we have to navigate back to, because we've got this primal monkey mind that we're being, that's being manipulated, which is a very ancient technology that's designed for a very different environment, meeting this highly complex, uh, system of manipulation um, and with tools of the tools that we're able to infinitely leverage to cause good or or bad um, and as we all know we have got light and shade within ourselves and so it's how do our systems get the best out of us rather than at the moment when many of our systems treat us like um, a criminal by default or zero trust as by default so we get disengagement from our systems and so the challenge is is how do we decode our way back to each other uh system scales so that we can adapt and operate um in a very different future model of governance and you know we have big big issues to collaborate on like climate change and um and uh, you know we have to find a model of human thriving for 10 billion people in the next few years that delivers radically higher social progress within planetary boundaries. That is a completely different model of governance, right? Uh, and how do we let go of this individualism or see individualism as collectivism 
uh, how do we find a very different way to interact as individuals um, or, a, more, or a, a wiser way to interact as individuals to allow us to move to the future and deliver a form of governance where everybody thrives and no one gets left behind um, and everybody creates space for each other um, and everybody works together to raise our kids together, to look after our old people together, to uh, be in community together um, uh, on a fight on, on a on a planet um, in in you know combination of nature and things like that. So there's a massive. So uh, I talk a lot about the democratization of wisdom, um, and we see the democratization of uh, of knowledge. We're in the era of the democratization of intelligence, and we're getting some very smart people doing some very stupid things, um, and. <laughs> Uh, and what we need for our very survival is a democratization of wisdom, which is the question for this is why on earth are we doing what we do? Why are we earning so much money to pay for stuff we don't need, uh, uh, doing stuff we don't love, right? And, and, and so wisdom and technology, there's a, there's, a, there's a merging together of these questions, which is, you know, there's a lot of energy we've created in the world. A lockdown really tuned us into this, right? Is much of our life we were on a hamster wheel or a hedonic treadmill and we're like, how have we got so lost? Um, and so we have some real deep questions to ask about the kind of humanity that wants to emerge in the next decade and, 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 and all of this these chaos of which COVID is a good first wave are gonna get us to ask deeper questions about ourselves and what type of life we wanna live. And, um, and then our governance and our systems and the way we organize has to evolve with that new deeper wisdom uh, that's emerging or surfacing because um, we have to, for our very survival, get very wise very quickly. Um, and uh, so Dandelion um, uh, set itself up uh, with this mission, um, and then Guernsey is potentially the first environment uh, where to take steps in order to implement it, mm. um, including that, uh, yes, you can have a lot of uh, bottom-up uh, adoption, uh, but sooner or later, you need buy-in uh, yeah. from the government uh, or from whatever regulatory bodies that uh, can sanction uh, yeah. the kind of new organization or um, enhance its ability to, uh, to, to achieve impact. So how did you find that uh, to be working out, especially from, from the top down? Yeah, well, you, um, and I always say leaders are a representation of the population. So you get the government you are. Um, and understanding that um, community members work for government, community members get elected. Um, like It's like governments aren't this nebulous, disconnected kind of non-human thing. They're people like you and me that live in the same spaces as me. And as they're perceptions of the world shift and policy shifts and everything shifts so i don't really i see government as a byproduct of community um and so i don't actually have to really focus on the hierarchy focus on the uh you know i really focus on cultural transformation of community trusting that governance shifts as community cultures shift um and so really much of my work is like a weaving process which is weaving people to each other um and 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 focusing on the social fabric and social culture and you know culture strategy for breakfast as they uh, as they say and so how do you start to um develop a more compassionate more progressive individual culture 
Um, and so how do you start to develop systems um, of perspective, uh, narratives of unity, all of these kind of things, and you can gradually cultivate that over the long period of time um, in the same way that, you know, algorithmically people are manipulating votes with um, you know, narratives and perspectives and things like that. You can use the same tools to bring community together. Just in micro nations, you can use this in large nations um in large nations you have to use algorithms and facebook and scale but ultimately the narratives come and the deep understanding of people come from this and the scaling uh, and the scaling comes from uh and so it'll be interesting is what are the new perspectives that emerge in these small nations and it won't just be guernsey it'll be after covid you'll see a group of places um a bit like the blue zones and longevity you'll see a group of communities that came back so quickly from COVID and actually came back better than before. And when we start to study them, we, we will understand that social cohesion or some part of community being close was what was the key factor in driving uh, transformation through chaos. Um, and that some of those communities would have had it as part of their DNA of the fabric of that cultural community, but others would have had this deliberate community building process going on. And so we'll start to realize that to get transformation in organizations or in governments or communities that, that having a, a weaving process, a social fabric process, a deliberate, intentional, invested in process that brings community close together will accelerate transition to the future. And we'll start to look at scaling that. Um, and and uh, as, as you describe it, it becomes evident that uh, 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 an explicit, proactive, intentional, uh, educational and learning process is key uh, to this as well yeah. uh, whether in the the school system or in the family or mm -hmm. in the uh, public square uh, yeah. as uh, as these possibilities are debated and and realized and and adopted by individuals and and groups um, and and in that sense the process itself is also a test of the viability and the attractiveness of the ideas mm -hmm. that survive because they are uh, illustrating a future that uh, is uh, full of possibility mm -hmm. and, and, and open to opportunity. And as a consequence, uh, people who buy into the set of ideas feel mm -hmm. those opening up to them uh, and and feel more empowered and more uh, emancipated uh, uh, than than those who reject them uh, for one reason or yeah. another. Uh, what is the challenge of the equivalent um, process that we mentioned before? Somebody in Guernsey already can take advantage of the environment being COVID-free, but uh, as soon as you open up, you have to manage the process via the two-week quarantine or whatever else maybe in the future. The equivalent from the point of view of uh, regulations and, and, uh, and belonging to a larger community uh, of, of countries uh, Gansey cannot be seeing itself as isolated anymore. Otherwise, it would still go around uh, marauding in pirate ships 
because it is a pretty easy and fun way to make a living, but it doesn't. It has adopted a lot of things, yeah. many of them voluntarily, some of them less so, uh, that, uh, that uh, make it part of a system. So Guernsey itself cannot uh, be too far ahead of the group, yeah. right? Um, how how can that process be be handled? How how is it possible to point out some of the shortcomings of I don't know an international treaty that has been adopted but it's still the result of consensus and compromise? Mm -hmm. And and if you or or Guernsey have a better uh, solution a better better system well it will take a long time before that is is uh, realized adopted and, and and implemented and in the meantime Guernsey is subject to the imperfect version uh, thorough mm -hmm. well I think I mean if you think about it in quality of life terms um, it, you know it's like um, you don't need permission as a community to increase the quality of life for your neighbors right and so in some, in some ways governance counts a lot less than we think in terms of delivering economic progress and social progress so it's like for me it's around you can actually progress a lot without government and without in the in the loopholes where the treaty and um with these treaties and things like that don't exist um but it requires generosity it requires you know all of these these skills that aren't included within the frameworks uh kindness uh love compassion these things can be amplified and developed outside of the rules right because uh, the rules don't make them and so you can actually go quite a distance <laughs> without uh, in terms of proving quality of life what matters to people without necessarily needing governance to or, or, or collective agreement that we can be kind we don't need a global agreement to be kind to our neighbors we, yeah. <laughs> we don't uh, we don't need grow, a global agreement to grow food locally we don't need a global agreement to do our own power and um you know we so, so let, let's let's look at those two examples um i remember um almost 10 years ago uh it it uh, was very significant to me that at the time Guernsey was beholden to a steady supply of gasoline from France, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And that to me represented a dependency yep. that uh, could put mm -hmm. um, um, uh, get, 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 that could imperil mm -hmm. the ambitions. Of yeah. a of a more courageous, independent thinking, yeah. uh, and and one of my recommendations was go solar as soon as you can, and 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 now we have uh, wonderful solutions both at the level of individual houses, but also at the level of larger communities yeah. where solar plants coupled with uh, with batteries can represent uh, total independence for uh, for energy. Uh, what what has or hasn't happened in the meantime towards that? Yeah, so um, all of the frameworks that allow that to happen 
um, are emerging they've just recently been voted on and things like that so part of it is and then obviously the narrative around resilience in this covid world has suddenly become front and center so our recovery yep. strategy our recovery strategy is very much focused on thriving and resilience and, and building this kind of new ways of infrastructure and our, our strategy as a as a finance community is to finance the global transition so we're one of the world's first green finance funds and realize that we need um so what i mean what, what i see is the radical um decentralization of infrastructure right that's mm -hmm. happening <clears throat> And, and localization of, and so part of the conflict in the world and all of the ch challenge in the world is happening primarily because we need to collaborate at large scale to deliver infrastructure whereas um what's emerging now is the hyper localization of infrastructure so dependency you know so the dependency required is dropping all the time as each new wave of infrastructure arrives in a decentralized way and so suddenly uh, the need for large countries disappears because if you think about it large countries are really collaborating at a scale big enough to deliver infrastructure be it an army or a, um, but in a more um, decentralized world the need for a large nation state exists so our dependency is each new form of infrastructure hits a price point Guernsey can adopt it very quickly and its dependency on the outside world drops and, and you know there's a there's a ratio a kind of size that islands become uh, uh, viable uh, on their own is as each new infrastructure decentralizes the minimum viable kind of size for islands changes uh, because you know we've got our own health infrastructure we've got our own uh, you know we've got our own uh, you know a full working government we've got everything um, and we deliver that cheaper than the rest of the world can deliver it so we deliver governance at 20 percent of gdp uh, whereas the uk would deliver governance at 38 percent of gdp now our quality of life is higher and as each new infrastructure decentralizes, that gets easier and easier. So as energy decentralizes, as transport decentralizes, as all of the current barriers to living on an island, which you described, we import our oil, yeah. which uh, creates, as we become more resilient as all of these new technological opportunities, um, then the need for large nation states disappears. And so if, if community... Tesla recently announced that uh, they have, uh, or rather, Elon Musk tweeted that uh, they have, uh, they have uh, achieved uh, level five uh, autonomy in self-driving cars, which means uh, uh, you you don't need uh, to pay attention anymore. And the, uh, on American roads, well, uh, and 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 now he says we need to take care of the edge cases, and of course where the edges are and 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 what are the the quirks of driving uh, in india for example or, or here. To, to to america uh, are not uh, irrelevant and then deployment will follow uh the 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 regulatory frameworks where uh, making these cars uh, available uh, in in any way is uh, is permitted um, do you think that uh, that Guernsey in this in that sense can uh, spearhead uh, some experiments or or it should uh, rather follow? Well, it's already been doing it, right? In terms of um, the reason why Guernsey is so wealthy is because of governance innovation in finance to allow innovative new financial products um, to take off. Because you can have a coffee-based relationship with a financial regulator, you can you can you can have this dialogue so in some ways we've got better financial regulation than most places in the world 
but the capacity to innovate uh, because you don't have to go to some massive department and and through 10 layers of things, you can have coffee with the regulator. And um, and now we're increasingly using that platform as we've done in COVID, you know, we developed our own framework around governance, our own regulation, uh, much faster than larger countries. And that's now being studied by larger countries, say how to, and, and that's becoming an export. So, you know, we realized that this idea of test bed nation, uh, and so, you know, the real theme that I want to get across to the world is there are dozens of these micro nations around the world. And there's a lot of people putting a lot of money into innovation um, in big systems where they would make a lot more progress if they moved that innovation out to the edges and out to the governance to de-risk situations to understand. Uh, what, um, and so, you know, all of the waves of driverless. Uh, and so it really, for me, it's about find the right jurisdiction that, that is open or the right timing has the right challenges to uh, testbed um, those solutions. Now Guernsey, you know, seems to be innovating around health in particular and a real focus on, on healthcare governance uh, um, uh, because it's our biggest cost. Um, we have an aging population. We're going to have to do things differently to, to, and so the incentive is for us to try new things in health. Each jurisdiction has its own challenges because of its scale and its size and things like that. And so it's really around what uh, what I saw in Silicon Valley when I was there was all of this innovation coming through, many of the solutions blocked by governance and regulation in some ways. And I, my thing is saying Silicon Valley may have the ecosystem um, from an innovation point of view, but does not have the ecosystem from a governance point of view. And so um, one has to look at all of the governance zones around the world and then um, and and then start to quite gamify um, governance transformation by finding the right jurisdiction that can create the right breakthroughs in the right way um, to allow um, these technologies that cross silo in 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 governance forms. Um, so you know, with driverless, there's insurance challenges. There's um, you know in, interaction with public challenges. There's um, uh, re-ownership, there's, there's fuel system, you know, there's, there's a lot of complexity that impacts a lot of industries and a lot of governance frameworks. Um, and, um, you know, that is best done in a jurisdiction where you can uh, sandbox uh, new regulation and, um, and interact with the law. Um, but recognizing that some jurisdictions are democracies, um, and so I actually think it's the narrative testing that is the most important thing with new technology, which is how do you go in to a, to a community and de-fear driverless cars, mm -hmm. right? And then look at the relationship between governance and fear. Because a lot of people will go to Ireland and say, I want a red carpet, uh, and then get re rejected by the community and not understanding that the point of going to a small community is to work on the narratives to scale a new technology. Yeah, the self-driving cars are, are, are a great example because nobody who didn't die will realize that for <laughs> a long time statistically, but anybody who dies in a self-driving car will attract uh, such a deep scrutiny that is yeah. probably a hundred times uh, deeper yeah. than not any uh, uh, fatal accident in a traditional car. So uh, all the, uh, uh, the the judgment around it and the narrative around it will be extremely and somewhat unfairly skewed yeah. towards 
highlighting the negative and it will be difficult to uh, uh, to 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 really nurture the the positive uh, narrative until uh, evidence becomes so overwhelming because yeah. you just look around and people will stop dying from car accidents and you will say wow this thing uh, looks like it's working but what in a large in a large system in a populist manipulative algorithmic system we're not evidence-based right we're fear-based yeah. and so what you can do in a small system is when these negative fear-based narratives emerge you get out the secret weapon and you go and have which, which is a cup of coffee and you go and have uh the, the node in the the opposite campaign or they keep things tight and you go and find out what their fears are and you find out what their perspectives are and you start to have a dialogue around what would be the, the self-interested things for why driverless cars should be tried for that particular person. And you start to diffuse all of those visceral white blood cell responses, but you 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 diffuse them not by them and us, dehuman them and us, but you diffuse them by going and speaking and spending time with people and finding out what their hooks are, finding what the narratives are. So I see it as narrative labs more than anything, which is yeah. around decoding fears, but decoding fears with human relationships. And then you can scale those narratives globally or scale those frameworks or those safety mechanisms or all of these things that would actually make people comfortable to do that. But what we're expecting of small jurisdictions, we're not really using them because we see this visceral small island response or small community response, which is more amplified in some ways and not realizing that actually the initial wall may be harder, um, but the time from first visceral response to adoption can be two years, whereas in a large country, it could be five years. And, mm -hmm. and the trick is, is use a small country to get to two years to make the large country four years or three years because you've already got a fully working prototype where people can visit and see it while operating at system scale. And so that's well, the principle for me. Uh, Mark, it has been really great to to, to chat uh, and catch up with uh, with a coffee. And uh, good luck uh, for uh, the Dandelion project, as well as uh, to Guernsey uh, to maintain its uh, uh, level uh, and and uh, maintain its uh, 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 welcoming experimentation. And uh, and to to proceed in uh, being an example of human uh, flourishing. Thank you very much for uh, coming on uh, searching for the question live. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Wonderful. So uh, thank you very much, everybody, um, for following uh, searching uh, for the question live. Um, I hope that uh, these conversations uh, inspire you as well as uh, can be a stepping stone towards uh, your own uh, experiments, not only learning, but uh, also doing, because the distance between uh, getting inspired and being able to uh, get uh, into action today is, is really zero. That is the reason why we are always uh, collecting the, the links uh, that I am showing and the various websites and charts and everything else, articles that come up uh, during the conversation. You can find them uh, at the, uh, in the descriptions uh, of uh, uh, the episodes. And um, I hope uh, to see you uh, at the uh, next episode. Uh, soon uh, with the next guest uh, to talk about topics that uh, impact 
society and communities and us uh, as individuals. Thank you very much and uh, see you next time.